This is CliffCentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is The Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. Alongside me today, Lionel Makokutlela. Welcome to you, Lines. Thank you very much, Gary, and uh, welcome to our podcasters. It's Tuesday, the biggest legal show in the continent is on. Mm. Today's show, Lines, is about early release of our prisoners. And in Afrikaans, they call it... Uh, the gefangenis, which is quite a scary word, isn't it? Yes. Uh, gefangenis it is, is so a prison. Yeah. That's that's really what it is, right? <laughs> uh, you must rot in gefangenis. Anyway, the question uh, we're going to be asking today is: How long should a prisoner serve before being released? Mm. I guess it depends on the case. Right now, lines. Uh, I think you'd know that uh, rape and sexual abuse of our children is is. Very prevalent. Certainly. And, you know, when we, when we think of the dross rape of that little girl Aish. in the restaurant bathroom mm. alone, it's enough to make us South Africans sick to the core. Certainly. The question we're going to ask you really, and this applies to everyone, and uh, our listeners will want to contribute on this one. Should monsters like that, that rape little girls, and it doesn't matter what may murder your loved one, whatever, should they be released early? Or should they stay in the gefangenis, in the prison where they belong? It's a very emotive one, but I guess this is where then the law comes into the picture. And I don't know what the law says in this regard because we don't deal with uh, criminal matters. But I'm very curious to actually find out what is actually the position of the law in regard to early releases of prisoners who actually have committed crime. But the reality of the matter is if they were to be released, what sort of message are they, uh, is it sending to the public? Because yeah. then again, it just seems like some animals are more equal than others. Why should they be released, not serve the full term? But again, as I said, law is quite a very complex. Uh, now, the law animal. on this one is very interesting. We're going to talk about it later, Lance. I think you'll remember, and we've done this before, this, this show, um, not on, in this format, <clears throat> but we have interviewed a number of women, and uh, they're now women, they were little girls, mm. when they were raped. By the infamous tennis player Bob Hewitt Yes Uh, They were 12 years old Hmm. Two of them Uh, He raped them Uh, He was supposed to be coaching them And he raped these little girls And right now We're actually pleased to report That Bob Hewitt right now He's in the jailhouse 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 now (laughs) <laughs> Where do you get oh, this I music? Know, I, I know this honky tonk stuff appeals to you. You go home and listen to it at home, don't you? <laughs> you went of a kind, I must say. One of uh, yeah, lads, one of uh, Bob Hewitt's victims. We make light of this, but it's not a light subject. Certainly. Sometimes we just got to introduce a note of levity, as I call it, so that we can just relax and take a breath. Uh, one of Bob Hewitt's victims. She's a woman now, as I said. She's in her forties. When she was twelve. 
he raped her in the car at the tennis courts and he's messed up her life um sex for her is is not enjoyable her life is hard she had a problem with her parents on this one in fact she was reluctant to come into the studio today and uh, i i said to her it's up to her it's if understandable she wants, uh, she's not here now she said she'll be in and i'm sure she will her mm. name is olivia so um Although he's in the jailhouse, Bob Hewitt, he's trying to break serve and get out, but he's facing a formidable opponent in this woman, Olivia. She's not going to take this one lying down, as they said. Bravo to her. And I think it just shows that she's actually taking power into her own hands. And that's what needs to actually be taking place. Women need to stand up for their own rights and stand up for what they really believe. And if they feel that injustice has been done, they must actually make it a point that they speak loud then we can actually listen to their voices and support their cause. Bob Hewitt got six years prison. I'm subject to correction. He's been in for two years, and he wants to get out. He's, mm. he's pulling all kinds of tricks to get out. And uh, Olivia and two of the other girls that were raped and abused have consulted with a wonderful man. He does all this out of the goodness of his heart. He doesn't charge them for it. His name is Peter van Niekerk. And he's the managing partner at Attorneys Evershed Sutherland, a very prestigious old firm in, in Johannesburg. He's also director of the Teddy Bear Foundation. You don't find many people like this that do all this pro bono work, but he does. He's today accompanied by his candidate attorney, Georgia Barnard. Welcome to you both, and many thanks for doing this. Thanks very much, and Hi, thanks Gary. for having us. Cool. You guys are acting for the three ladies and you are opposing Bob Hewitt's application. And uh, this show is presented in collaboration with Legal Talk South Africa, who, as I always say, have a massive membership, Facebook membership, close to 200,000. And this, the promo of the show was loaded by Ray Green, the founder, on their webpage, on their Facebook page. And it's already got a stream of uh, comments. People are going crazy on this one. Some people are saying, look, he's 80 years old. He's had enough. Let him go. Mm. Others are, are pulling their hair out. How dare he be released after raping and messing up the lives of these little girls mm. so early? Mm. So it's your call. If you want to phone in and share with us on this one, I'm going to give out a phone number. We don't usually because most of our listeners are on podcasts. If you're listening live, Phone this number and let us know how you feel about it. Uh, we, we we get quite emotional on this one, don't we, Lance? Certainly. Oh eight six one, and then it's easy. Triple five one eight nine. Oh eight six one triple five one eight nine. There's someone I want to talk to that's on the line right now, and before I get to our attorneys, let's take the call, Celeste. Hi, Celeste. Celeste. I don't know what she's doing. Maybe she's printing. <laughs> Celeste. Just sounds like a technical glitch. Okay, we'll come back to Celeste. Are yeah. you there, Celeste? She's on the line. Celeste? Okay. Well, let's try. I'm going to leave it to no, our no, controller. No. Then let's just be quiet. Celeste. Okay, I think the noise is coming from the... Oh, Celeste okay. is dying to speak to us about this issue, but uh, we'll, we'll try and get her back. We'll hold this one. Try again. See what you can do. Yeah. It would be nice to speak to Celeste. No, certainly. Let's talk to our attorneys before Olivia comes into studio. She's maybe hiding around the corner and listening on the side. I'm sure she is. Peter Fanikok, you've known about this case for, for many years now. This first 
came to the fore a number of years ago when I think I'm talking from career, uh, from memory. There was a journalist from the Boston Globe in in the USA that picked up the story and he ran with it. And then he came to South Africa. Uh, Bob Hewitt was a star at that time. He was a member of the International Hall of Fame for tennis players. And he arrived in South Africa seeking, I think, uh, Olivia and one or two others to say, had Bob Hewitt raped you as well or molested you or abused you? And a number of girls came forward. I just think these two for the moment. Were you around when, when this happened, Peter? Or when were you brought into this? Um, so, as I understand it, and this happened before my involvement, um, the story broke in America. Mm. A a woman, a tennis player who had been coached by Hewitt, as I understand it, um, came forward and said she had been abused by him. And that, I think, got the Boston Globe involved, and they were very instrumental in both um, investigating the matter, both in, in America and South Africa. Um, I then got involved when one of the victims went to the Teddy Bear Foundation and pursuant to that happening, I started acting for her and that just grew like Topsy and eventually a whole lot of women um, contacted me and obviously being a, uh, a criminal case, all I could do was obtain statements and assist the prosecuting authorities, which, in fact, I I did to a great or less extent right the way through until the the charges were actually laid. Um, so that was my, my, my background into the matter. Yeah, Peter, um, I just want to give the phone number. Won't you give this phone number, please? That's Celeste. She's phoning through. She's trying to get through. The girls were raped about 30 years prior to the arrest of Bob Hewitt. And the law at that time was uncertain, wasn't it? It uh, was. Yeah. There, there, were, there were all sorts of legal problems uh, mm. there that the state faced, as I say, uh, mm. because obviously it was a state. Uh, from what I recall, there was problems with prescription. Mm. There were problems with the definition of rape. And, of course, there were the problems of the woman not having come forward for so long. Yeah. Uh, those were partially practical problems, memories fading, etc., etc. But How did the girls, when they came to you six years ago or so, or whenever it was when this case started, how did they feel to know that they they could nail Bob Hewitt? I think... There was a great degree of closure on their part in the sense you can imagine sitting, having this over your head mm. for so long. And I think they they got strength, strength in numbers and knowing that uh, there were others who, who were in the same position, um, Certainly, it, it 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 gave them the strength to 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 follow through because, of course, one has to show a lot of bravery mm. to to go through with charges of this nature. Yeah, 
eventually the girls the, the matter was brought before the high court in Johannesburg and uh, Bob Hewitt was convicted and he got a six year sentence after going on appeal I think there were a number of appeals he, weren't there he he actually got eight years mm. he got eight years for the two rapes he raped a 12 and a 13 year old mm. and he was convicted of uh, sexual assault in regard to the 17 year old uh, he got eight years. Two of them were suspended, provided that he paid, I think it was 100,000 rand to the, I think it was Department of Correctional Services. Mm. But he's, his, his actual sentence is eight years, and that becomes relevant as prob- possibly Georgia could go through the time limits in due course as to when you're entitled to apply for parole. But mm. so it's worked out on that. That eight years, and as you correctly point out, he then appealed to the Supreme Court of Appeals. Mm. That was dismissed. He then went to the Constitutional Court, and they in turn dismissed it on the basis that his his chances of his prospects of success were were, were bad. I also believe, and I think Olivia told us once that he was sued in the U.S. by one of the girls. Because there it's much easier to sue for, for punitive damages, for, for the hurt that you've sustained. I think it ran into millions. I don't know what ever happened to that matter. Would you by any chance know? I, I don't. I also no. heard that no. uh, one of the victims, not in, in the South African case, had sued him and done so successfully. But um, I'm not on top of that. Mm. I just want to check is Celeste back on the line because she's – yeah. Is she there for us? Celeste, we're going to talk to you now. Celeste? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hi, Celeste. Where where, where are you you from? Where are you calling from? I'm in Kimberley. Oh, of all places. Okay, cool. Of all places. Yeah. What's the weather like? It must be hot. It is very, very hot. So you're a great supporter of Olivia. and uh, I am. I know you've said that she fights relentlessly for her rights, which she does. How do, you does, feel, yeah. How do you feel about all this? Yeah. How do you feel about? You know, I, Go ahead. I think, I think the thing is that um, people very seldom understand how much um, survivors of abuse go through, and how much of a journey it is for them for the rest of their lives. And I'm speaking from experience from myself, although I'm very different to Olivia because she had the gumption to go to court, <laughs> mm. and I I didn't do that. But it takes a huge toll on a person. And you get re-traumatized over and over again. And I think that people don't understand that, that it's a life sentence. I don't think they get the depth of that. And that, you know, you can put someone in jail for however much time. But for us, we work through the the process of healing for the rest of our lives. Mm. And Olivia is an example of that, a huge example of that. And the whole system of how she went through the whole process – she gets re-traumatized all the time. Mm, I know she does, yeah. I think she's too scared to come into studio today as well for the very reason. Yeah. She doesn't want to relive this. She's trying to trying to walk away from it, and uh, no one's allowing her to because he's applying to be released. Which I think mm. is absolutely ludicrous. Well, let me ask, you, let me, let me ask you this question. He's a, he's a man of 80, I guess, somewhere yes. around there. He's been there two yeah. years. The counter-argument to all this, is enough not enough? How much retribution should there be? 
how long should he sit? Well, what what harm is I he going to cause? Yeah, go ahead. From a survivor's perspective, because our organisation, the organisation that I'm with, that I founded, we we are survivors for survivors. That's how we work. And this is my perspective. Olivia has served how many years already? She will carry on serving until she can heal all of this, which takes a very, very long time. And speaking for myself, I don't know if there's an ever completely healed because you keep having repercussions. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was old when he got to court. Yes, he was old when he was sentenced. And that was taken into consideration in his sentence. And we believe, you know, no bail, max jail. He must spend his time there. He must do his time because that six years is nothing in comparison to what the girls the survivors that he hurt, what he did to them. It's nothing. It's a drop in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And, a, and the other yeah. thing is, you know, he needs to he needs to at least show some remorse as well, which would be good. Yeah, he's shown no remorse. Isn't isn't that the argument here? There's no remorse. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think the thing is people are getting like all emotional about his age. And and it seems to be a, a trend in South Africa that we have this thing about the the perpetrator, the perpetrator's age, mm. you know, the perpetrator's circumstances. I shame the perpetrator. But what about the survivors? I don't think survivors' rights are taken equally. In, you know, they're human rights. Mm. I think the human rights of the of the of the perpetrators are taken more seriously than the human rights of the survivors. Mm. And we've seen that in other cases that have been going on now. Celeste, you. you know? um Talk to us about your organization and the petition that uh, we want people to sign. Tell us all about that. Okay, so our organization is Optimistic Bikers Against Abuse. We've been around since 2011. It was, our organization came about through my journey to healing. Um, And then we were a whole group of friends and we started a a real organization because we saw the, the demand. So we work on a survivors for survivors basis. We take on um, activism cases like this where we'll do petitions and that mm. but we also do hands-on healing with survivors so we walk a healing journey give tips emotional support um, advice you know when do you need a lawyer when do you need a psychologist that kind of thing and we do education as well so we're a very small organization we do a lot of our work online because we are based in Kimberley um, but we travel so I go where I'm most needed and then with a petition like this, this petition is so that he doesn't get his um, sentence commuted to community supervision mm-hmm. because I don't see why he should. I mean, I don't see one good reason why his, why his sentence should be commuted to anything. He hasn't even served half his sentence yet. Absolutely. Tell us about Mini Me Too. Hashtag Mini Me Too. Yeah. I, I actually really love the hashtag Mini Me Too campaign mm. because I'm, an, I'm a survivor of child abuse, well, child sexual abuse, as well as other abuses that go with that. You know, it's never mm. one thing only. Mm. You know, there's a whole lot of stuff that, that interlinks. So I'm a survivor myself. And when I was young, there was no way to, to speak out. But I had different circumstances. So I was in circumstances where some people actually knew and mm. just didn't do anything about it. So I think the Mini Me Too campaign is really great because it addresses, although it's Mini Me Too, it addresses parents as well. And it's saying we need to be responsible for our kids. We need to make an environment where our children can speak out. 
because it's not that easy to speak out. Even if you tell your child they can speak out, it's difficult. Mm. So I think, you know, it's a really good education campaign, not only for teenagers who can then speak out, but for parents to be aware of where the dangers for their children are coming from. Cool. Celeste, if we, if anyone listening wants to get hold of you and your Optima, your Bikers Association, do you have a website or something or Facebook we page? We do. Yeah. Give we it do. Our yes. website has got a few issues at the moment, but yeah. um, Facebook is up. Um, on Facebook, we're optimistic and it's spelled O-P-T-I-M-Y-S-T-I-C, mm-hmm. um, M-C-C. But if you search optimistic like that, you'll find us. And um, they can phone me anytime. So I can give my number, which is 071-427-0187. Okay, that's the voice of Celeste. What's your surname, Celeste? Low. Good. Okay. Low. Many it, thanks, uh, Celeste. We appreciate it's an this. Absolute the pleasure. petition, the petition, we know where to go. Uh, does everyone Yes and Yes, and the link is on our website. Mm. It's on our website, our Facebook page. You can catch us on Instagram and Twitter as well. And we put it up regularly there so that people can go um, and just click and sign. It takes like two seconds. It's really not painful. What is the petition to to stop him from getting out? Is that the petition? The petition is actually, yeah, and and so that he doesn't get um, community supervision. Mm -hmm. So we don't, we want him to stay in jail because he needs to stay in jail. He needs to understand that he cannot trivialize what he did, you know, and we feel that if we can make people understand this, that letting people out of jail early trivializes their crime. We don't want that. We want people to understand that if you hurt our children or you murdering our women mm. or you or even if you're murdering our men, let's face it. Absolutely. If you're mm. doing this kind of thing, mm. there's going to be no court to given and you need to have a sentence and you're going to sit there. If it's 25 years, you're going to sit for 25 years because we don't want to hear your whinging. We don't want you to be doing these things. Yes. I think I think the statistics are too high for us to have the you know, all of this led out of jail f- um, for for free type of thing. Mm. We can see it with bail as well. Okay. I mean, if we let out people on bail and then they go and commit the same crime again. Good. It's good, crazy. Good stuff, Celeste. Keep going. Many thanks Absolutely. for this. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me online. Yeah. Great. Lovely. Now we've awesome. got good news. We've got really good news. Yes. Someone's just walked into our studio. And let me tell you about this girl. This girl's on fire. Yes. This girl, this is the girl, Olivia. You're on fire, Olivia. Welcome. Hi, uh, Gary. Even, you know, you made a late statement, but good to see you. I'm so pleased <laughs> you walked in. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is your anthem, isn't it? It is indeed. Yeah. I picked it up somewhere. This girl is really on fire. And you, I, I know you're trying to shy away from this in a way because it's hurtful, terribly hurtful, isn't it, to you? To, yeah, I'm uh, just sick and tired of it, yeah. to be quite honest. You'd actually like to just, just walk away from it and just leave me alone kind of thing. But you can't because this man's trying to get an early release. And then unless you oppose it, he's going he's gonna to get a release. So you, what's the answer? You know, Gary, yeah. 
when I was a little girl, he taught me that I get every single ball back or that's going to be the lesson he's going to regret teaching me. Mm. I will get every single ball back and I will hit that last ball. You're going to smash him out oh, of court. You're going to yes. serve one <laughs> ace after another. Indeed. Talking of aces, we have your attorney in studio today. As uh, we introduced earlier, you guys, through Peter, your attorney and his candidate, Georgia, you are applying to oppose this application. Yes, we are. Was your diffi- was your decision difficult to do it? Did you did you want to leave it and just let the court or the parole authorities take a yes. decision, or how did you feel about it? Um, initially, I started off and I was like, "No, I'm not doing this." Then I went through a phase where, um, "Okay, I'll do it." Then I went through a phase where I'm not doing it, and today I'm doing it. So yeah. it's it's no, we we're gonna do it. We 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 have to do it. We have to see this through. Yeah. You know, the counter-argument is that he's had enough. He's 80 years old. Let him go. I've also had enough, Gary, but I've mm. got another 40 years of it, 40 years ahead of me. So, mm. um, no, he must, he must stay. Mm. Why? Why is the argument? I'm not, I'm, I'm not in favor of that argument, but why <laughs> should he stay? You, you know, Gary, for, for a start, he's only served, he's actually served less than half of the time it took us to put him away. Mm. Um, two years does, not by any means even begin to pay for what he's done to, to our lives. Um, and, oh, you know, over and above that, he, he's laughing at us. He, he, he hasn't shown any remorse. Mm. He, he's not ever, ever come forward. I mean, the, the, the most. He never admitted to doing anything. Oh, no, did he? he did, but he oh, said it he? wasn't violent. Uh-huh. So, so no, he has admitted to it, but but uh-huh. um, he said it wasn't violent, and based but, but on that, he shouldn't go to he shouldn't go to prison. Uh, didn't he say something about you should enjoy this, or to one of the girls? That was something that he said as a as as a um, it was to one of the girls uh-huh. uh, when we were younger, and uh-huh. the the quote was because he quoted it twice in court while he was in the, on the stand. He said that in all in all cases, rape is inevitable, and when it happens, you must just lie back and enjoy it. I mean, can you lines? Yeah. <laughs> and he wants to go home. No. He it's, said that? He said that. He admitted to saying it. I he mean, what kind of message is that to, the, to exactly. the public? In fact, he, yeah. he said he never said it to a girl. He said it to guys. But the mm. fact of the matter is he said it. Mm. Okay. Let's talk about where he's being housed in the chafanganus, as we call it, <laughs> which is a word I like. I think the chafanganus. <laughs> That's where he is. St. Albans Correctional Center in the Eastern Cape is renowned for being one of the toughest, most notorious prisons, home to over 3,000 inmates. It's certainly not one of the most pleasant gefangenes to be in, is it? <laughs> well, he's in frail care. So, you know, as far as I understand, he's yeah. on his own in a cell, yeah. and he comes out for an hour or two a day. That that That's what I've been told. I don't know how true that is. Mm. Um, but I think he's living the life. I think he's got it okay there. I don't think he's struggling. You haven't spoken to his family or his mother, his wife or anything? No, thank you. No. Mm-hmm. Have they tried to, anyone tried to contact you? Actually, no. They've been very, very, very quiet. But a lot of people crawl out from all over the show every now and then and I get some feedback. But no, no nothing. Okay, let's talk a little law because I think our listeners want to know what is this parole and early release? How does it work? So, Peter, you're going to take us through. There's two, there's two aspects of law that I know. One is parole. And then the other that I think he's applying for, who wants to take us through what the other is, Georgia or Peter, or who wants to start off? Uh, Perhaps let me just tell you the 
um, the difference mm. in, in, in the various early releases and then perhaps Georgia could take you through the time limits. Mm. So there's a difference between parole, which is early release, and and correctional supervision, which he's applying for, which is really a conversion of the uh, original sentence to, for example, house arrest. And they legally very different animals because they've got different procedures and different time limits. Mm. George will take you through why he's applying for correctional supervision because... Um, Let's ask George that one. Why correctional supervision? Is that more advantageous for him as opposed to parole? So he's applying for correctional supervision because it is the possibly the earliest thing he can apply for to try and get out of jail. Mm-hmm. So if you apply for correctional supervision, you only have to have served a quarter of your sentence. So because Bob got eight years sentence, two mm-hmm. years suspended, he's now served a quarter and so he can apply for them to convert his sentence, he would only be able to apply for parole after serving half of his sentence. So who would want to apply for parole then? Why wouldn't everyone apply for correctional supervision if it's only a quarter? I think just because then you would have to go through the process again of trying to apply for parole. Uh, correctional supervision also, it this only applies to, um, well, because his sentence, uh, he got sentenced to over and above five years. Okay. So you, if your sentence is more than five years, then you can apply for correctional supervision? Yes. After a quarter? Yes. So a murderer, rapist, whatever it is, he, yes. a hijacker, it's these, a, these monsters that are roaming our streets, that are putting the chafanganas, can get out after a quarter on correctional supervision. Yes, but What it does is. it mean, correctional supervision? So correctional supervision, they call it a com- community-based sentence. So you're supposed to serve out your sentence in the community, under house arrest. Sometimes you're not allowed to leave your magisterial district, have to do community service programs. Can you go to, can you go to bowls and can you go to play cricket and no. can you go to movies? No, no, it's, it's. You gotta sit in your house. Yes. And you have to do quite rigorous treatment programs, community service programs. Yeah. So, I mean, is house arrest actually house arrest or is it just a term that is used loosely? It means that people can float around their, their district or? Have they no, got no. Yeah. House arrest is, um, if you're not, it's during, if you're not at work, you have to be at your house. There's so no you can go to work? Yes. Okay. But you will have to be strictly supervised. Well, how do they do that really? Um, um, yeah, I, I, they, they put, they have these, um, things they put around. What are they called, like? Yeah, like ankle guards. Ankle guards, yeah, that they can monitor yeah. you. I don't know how effective, if the country's got enough resources yeah. for it. But I mean, if you're retired or if you're a pensioner, you just have to stay in your house. So if you commit a bank robbery and you steal hundreds of millions and you get uh, 10 years, you're out after two and a half, it's, it's maybe, it's maybe a, a good deal. <laughs> I, 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 think, I mean, it's crazy when you I think, think about it. Gary, the, the, the two different procedures are important because correctional supervision entails effectively applying to the parole board who in turn then make recommendations to the original judge. Mm -hmm. So it's a far more onerous and arduous procedure than just applying to the parole board. So Mm -hmm. when you say it's as as easy as that... uh, 
Uh, so you apply to the to the to, for correctional supervision. You apply to court. Well, you 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 first apply to the parole board, mm. uh, and that uh, the the victims, which we can maybe touch on later, get given the opportunity to make representations, etc. But the parole board then, after hearing all the um, representations, then refers it back to the original judge. And if he's dead after 20 years or 10 years? Who, or who the judge? Yes. Then another judge. Then another judge yeah. will take yeah. it. Yeah. And they will have to get the record and so on. But you, you, yeah. you've got to bear in mind that he's fighting a fairly uphill battle in the sense of um, both the Supreme Court of Appeal and the Constitutional Court found that his um, sentence was wholly appropriate. Mm. So they're going to have to convince the original judge who's fortified by the highest courts in the land mm -hmm. that he was wrong. So, mm. Sorry, Peter, if the parole board says... You can you you we'll give you the release. You still got to get a sanction from the, the from it, the high court. So in correctional supervision, and the, they can overrule the parole board. Is that no? So in correctional supervision, the parole board, as I understand it, has got no authority. Okay. To they just compile yeah. a report. They oh, okay. bring in his submissions, the victim's submissions, medical mm. reports, psychological reports. So it's, they so recommend, the consider. and of course, they can recommend that he doesn't get parole, which in event. I would imagine the chances of them getting it, or when I say parole, correctional supervision. Mm. Whereas with parole, the parole board has the authority to give you parole. But then you've got to, as Georgia was saying, got to have served much longer of your sentence. Mm -hmm. And when I say it's easier, you don't have to go through the additional hoop of going to the high court, back to the court aqua. I see that your representations opposing his early release is being made in terms of the Criminal Procedure Act. What does all that mean? What are you What are you doing here? What 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 are your representations all about for the three girls? So, um, whilst uh, are we acting for the three girls, and insofar as we're entitled to, we're also acting for various organisations. Yes, who are these organisations? There's the Teddy Bear Foundation. Mm. There's the uh, Women and Men Against Child Abuse. The Reva yeah, Steerkamp Foundation, yeah. I think and then I think the Very Bikers Association, Optimistic, Optimistic Bikers Against yes. Abuse. They're yeah. part of the representations, yeah. Bikers Against Bullies and Get Up Women. Mm. Okay, mm. good. That's so they, all, they are all grouped together to oppose the early release. Is that yes, what's going but on? I, yeah. I must make it clear that the Act provides... A mechanism for the victims to to make representations. Mm. This has just really gained momentum, and insofar as the court is concerned, we are making representations on in regard to the various foundations we've mentioned. But it doesn't necessarily mean that the parole board will place any weight in regard to their. I see in your court papers, which I like, you said here that uh, one of the victims was molested over a couple of years and uh, Hewitt shockingly told her, and this is what Olivia said earlier, that rape is enjoyable in all cases and that if he raped her, she should just lie down and enjoy it. And the judge Sickening. will see this, isn't it? That, that was on the record. That was mm. taken out of the record. Mm. 
So that's so good. The judge, yeah, yeah. Judges. He's going to read gonna, that. Yeah. Well, he's going to read it, but he's already heard it. Yes. Yeah. Well, let him read it again and hear it again, and let him listen to the show and hear it again. <laughs> Any man who says that. You shouldn't walk the streets, I mean, well, if you don't mind me saying that. Well, you know, when you talk about he showed no remorse, one of the representations is that uh, when he applied, he, he, when he argued in mitigation, I think it was to the Supreme Court of Appeal, it might even been to the court of quo, he said that he shouldn't be given too heavy a sentence because um, he didn't damage the one victim's vagina and the other representation he made was that when the other uh, child that he raped told him it was sore, he stopped. Now one... Oh, he says that's his his mitigation. Well... Because because she said it was sore, he then stopped. After he had already penetrated and hurt her. Yeah, and... So yeah, I mean, we, we, we think that's how, how embarrassing is it for him to have said something well, like that? Yeah, that was how said stupid on the, is it? Yeah, on the record, and to yeah. me, that's an. Are you the little girl, Olivia? Forgive me. Um, was it you? I'm not actually sure. No, 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 no. You, I was the one that. You, you, you I, I was the one he didn't damage. Yeah, uh, yeah. He yeah. didn't damage you. No, but that no. that's an aggravation. Psychologically, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's that's a that's an argument in aggravation, not in mitigation. Isn't one one would have yeah. thought so, but yeah. that was made to Georgia Martin. Was that to the Supreme Court of Appeals, or was that in the original? I think it was in, in the original. I argument. mean, can you imagine saying that when she started crying that it was sore? I withdrew. I mean, how ridiculous how, is yeah. that? And that yeah. that. That mm. somehow softens your conduct. I mean, it's difficult yeah. to... It's difficult to comprehend, yeah. isn't it, Olivia? Yeah. It actually is. And, and I actually just want to raise something. I mean, mm. his representation did everything they could um, to try and get me to admit that I consented. Mm. And the judge kept on saying, but she was 12 years old. Yes. yes. And um, he kept on saying, saying, but she consented. And I said, no, I accepted that this is what I had to do. Mm. Um and, you know, it just goes back. It's just he he has no remorse. He does not think he did anything wrong. And that scares me. How, how, can, he, how can he believe that? I mean, how, how, how stupid is the, is the human nature to really believe that? Arrogant or stupid? I think, I think arrogant. It gets to a point where people tend to lie to themselves and they start believing their own lie and think that every single person would be convinced by their lies. So this is basically one of those psychological mind game that people try to play. Well, 100%. I mean, he at one point, I think he thought he might have even owned us because he, he said that he was being a fatherly figure to us, which means that he had identified that we did not have good relationships with our parents or our dads. And... um it, it came out, it was very clear that he, he was being fatherly towards us. Mm. I know that uh, from a parole point of view, you, you sit around a table actually, the victims and the, and the prisoners, and uh, you confront one another. You can actually talk to one another, you can engage, you can say what you like. Is this what's going to happen in this case, or is it going to be on paper only? This, and this excuse me, we'll ask Olivia the same question. Would she like to sit in front of him and, and talk to him about this? Well, in in this case, it's on the papers only. Mm-hmm. So the victims will make their representations. He's obviously applied, given mm-hmm. his reasons. And 
as as Georgia mentioned, I think there's uh, psych, psychologists' reports, etc. We haven't been given access to any of that. Mm. But then, having regard to all of those various factors, the yeah. um, the parole board. So there, there, there's no. I've spoken um, to the, we've spoken to the area commissioner, and he mm. did say that if when it, the application is heard, mm. if the victims would like to make an oral representation, they can apply for that too. How do you feel about that, Olivia? I, do, I mean, I, would you like to sit across the table with this with this man and talk to him about what he did to you? If if I knew that there was going to be a constructive conversation, I probably would. Mm. But I don't believe for one minute there would be a constructive. How do you think he'd react to you? Um, I don't think it would go very well, and I, mm. I don't think he'd actually ever admit that that he did what he did. Well, he's in prison for whether he admits it or not. 100%, he's there. Yes. You know what happens when they want to get out? They'll say anything. They'll say they love you. Of course of they will. Of course they so will. So he's gonna he's gonna give you what you want to hear and say probably he's sorry because he wants to get out of the chavanas. Well, you know what? He mm. can give me what he what what I want to hear, but if he mm. doesn't mean it, I'm gonna know he doesn't mean it. Mm. Um, you know, whether we have a conversation or not. No. Would that would that release something in you? Would you feel easier sitting across the table from him? You, you know, Gary. Up until mm-hmm. September, when I received the, the the message to say that he he was he was doing this, um, I had a huge sense of relief. Mm. Um, what this has done to me in terms of setting me back has been massive. Mm. Um, so, no, it wouldn't give me a sense. He must stay where he belongs. That'll give me a sense of relief. Ultimately, he's going to come out. Why does that frighten you so much? He's going to walk the streets, whether it's now or whenever, in a year or two or three. Why Why does it scare you? You know, my, my first reaction when I got the message was that I'm scared. And I am scared of him. I'm terrified but of him. But he's not going to come after you. Sure. He might, but he, I wouldn't put it past him to send somebody. It won't, you know, I, I've got recordings of where him and his wife threatened my life and they threatened my child's life. Um. And he I could take do it, it now. He could do it now from prison if he was going to send someone else after you. He could. I just don't want you to be scared of this process. I am. I and am. I, I want you to <laughs> kind of. You have to deal with it, and I know that it's affecting you. And I've seen some of the writings, mm. your writings, and I know you're hurting like hell. And you're doing so well. You have been doing so well. You're really a girl no, you on make fire. Me cry again. No, but you haven't. Tell us about your tennis career <laughs> yeah, hold on, and your job, <laughs> and I just want to hear the good things as well. Let me just go back a step. You yeah. know, um, I feel a lot better mm. now that I know that it's going to be heard in Joburg number one, mm. and that it's going to be heard. I feel a lot better. If it was just a written submission and it was some random people making a decision on my emotional stability and mm. and the future of me. I wouldn't, I didn't feel good about that at all. Mm. I feel a whole lot better now that I know it's going to go through a proper process. Cause again, I have a voice. Mm. Um, and that's very important. It's when we don't have voices that it doesn't work out well. Yeah. So, so yes, I'm, I'm, I'm happier that mm. it's, that it's going forward in the way that it is. Mm. Tennis is great. Work is fantastic. Life is good. Yeah. I want it to stay that way. I don't want to have to be re-traumatized and re-victimized. Is this is this a bit of a trauma for you to sit here and talk about it? Not not so much sitting here talking about it. Just in general, it's a trauma. I'm mm. I'm back where I was three four years ago. Mm. It's a bit it's of a enough. setback. I know you're trying yeah. to. At some point, you said you don't want to come into studio. Again. I didn't. No, yeah. I didn't. I think today you came in late because you couldn't face it, and I think they dragged you in here. Shay. You yeah. were relentless. <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm doing this because I mean, because you love me. I, I know. No, I, I'm, I, 
you know, truthfully, I I just want the best for you. I'm and okay. if people will support you and and rally around you and oppose this thing and be there for you, which they are, this is going to make it a lot easier. Because unfortunately. You have to deal with this. I mean, I don't have to lecture you. But I you do, Gary. And you know what? I'm going to do it because it's not only just for me. It's, mm. it's for my grandchildren. Mm. It's, it's for all the other children out there. It's Tell us about the, your grandchild quickly. I have two of them. One mm. is six and one is four. Mm. Um, they live in Asna with their mom and dad. Mm. They're growing nice and big. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about this, Georgia? What do you think is going to happen? How's it going to play out? In, in court or in the parole, at the parole hearing, what do you think will happen? Well, I think what needs to be mentioned in the Act and they've said in the directives to the Act is that it has this process is very victim sensitive. Mm. And with all the officials we've dealt with, they do, they do really care about what the victims feel about it, what they have to say. Mm. They have to give an impact statement, what this has done to their lives and why they do think that he should stay in jail. And I think that they, it is very geared towards how they feel. Obviously they take into him into account, but I don't know. I, I hope that our, our system, it seems like it's, it, yeah. it's, it's going to work. Yeah. Well, yeah, it should work. I'm hopeful, but yeah. yeah. Before we let you all go, and I know Livia wants to clear out of here <laughs> on fire or not on fire. <laughs> Peter, you want to sum up on anything on the law side or on uh, any side? Yeah. Uh, perhaps just to continue what, <clears throat> jo- what, what, what Georgia said about the uh, being very victims-centric. Mm. Um, she's quite correct about the parole board being very sensitive and uh, the Act provides that the parole board's got to take into account what the victims, the impact on the victims but also the courts give the impact of the victims and mm. their views considerable weight. So, you know, he's got quite a lot of hurdles to overcome mm. because the courts will, when con- considering this, mm. take the victims. You know, Pete, this is a very public case, and uh, most, of, most people know about this. The prisoners languishing in these prisons that may be applying and getting out, and they may be the hijackers who have hijacked, God forbid, someone close to us that you wouldn't even know about. And they're sitting two years out of six or eight, and they're out, back on the streets. So I, I kind of think this is quite a good thing for us, that we should be opposing these uh, applications for early release. Although the prisons are overflowing and it costs us a fortune to keep the prisoners and they claim to be rehabilitated and there are wonderful things happening in the prisons uh, from an educational and from a rehabilitative point of view. But, um, yeah, we've got to watch out, you know. We've, this this country's full of nasties. We've got to keep to. them in there if, they, if they're bad. Yeah, you need to consider the severity of the crime, which is something that the courts do. Mm. And these are very severe crimes. Not Absolutely. Certain. But I think just in parting, your courage and your very nature of actually standing up for yourself, it's actually going to make a huge impact for the coming generation. And women as a whole, because we understand that as victims and having to relive the trauma, it can be quite traumatic. So it's like double the impact of the trauma. But being able to talk about it and facing the very same person who thought they would take away your power and be able to speak truth to them, that on its own is powerful. And kudos to you and the many other women who actually stood up for themselves against this man. And we wish you nothing but love and the best for this. Uh, yeah, Jenny. that's Thank cute, Lyons. Thank you. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you for that. 
to all of you. To Olivia, do you want to end off by saying anything? I just want to thank everybody for all the support that I've been given. It's mm. absolutely overwhelming. Mm. Thank you. Cool. You deserve it. No, we thank you because mm. without <laughs> your voice, this wouldn't have been possible. Without your voice, we wouldn't be able to actually be in this position where we can actually talk about this and normalize it to simply say, women, it's time. Take your power into your own hands. Speak about the abuse and make it a point that it's known so that we can actually be there to support you. The support might come in a form of us talking about it. In some cases, coming to the court with you just so that at least we can really talk about this so that people get to be empowered. Because you'll never know how many women are going to listen to this and feel the courageousness of actually speaking truth to the people who actually cool. did some did for sure. Don't forget to sign the petition. And Please uh, yeah. sign my petition. Yeah. Where can we find it on your side? Um, you can find it on it's it's open on my Facebook site. It's being shared through all the various organizations. We share it constantly. It's 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 popping up all so over the So if we Google show. petition against Bob Hewitt's early um, release or how do It's how? headed stop child rape. Okay. Yes. Ah, Good stuff. Georgia Barnard, candidate lawyer. Well done. You're going to be a great little lawyer. You're tenacious. Good, thank, good thank on you. you. And then to your boss, an old-timer, <laughs> old fox. <laughs> oh, yuckles, they call him Peter von Nicker. Well done to you, Peter. Thank you for everything. And then to our special people, that's our listeners. Without you, we wouldn't do these shows. Certainly. Many thanks for listening. To you, Lions, thank you. And uh, till next week, cheers. Thank you. Bye. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com.